0: You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-10171 uh, is the number if you have any. See, that's, that's that's what I get for thinking ahead and then talking now and then uh, to get all messed up. But that's because I'm in the I'm in the presence of royalty. MPD, No, I'm just. Uh, retired Assistant Chief Ray Banks. How are you, sir? Doing great. All right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Looking well. Good to be here. Thank you. M- moving around and. Hopping and jumping and doing cartwheels and all kind of I wish. all kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so we're we're going to talk about, of course, what happened to uh, Peter Jerving, but we'll also talk about the fact that you're running for office. Yes, I heard a rumor you were running for for common council. I am. Wow. Fifth district. All right. Mm-hmm. And how many people are running against
1: you? Uh, there's seven of us in six
0: hundred and twenty-seven thousand people running.
1: Seven of us in the race.
0: Okay, and then they'll have a
1: primary on the twenty first and there we're down to two.
0: Okay. I'm pretty sure you'll be one of the two. Well, I'm hoping. And then we'll have you back. Yeah, I'm hoping talk about it. So yeah. if anybody wants to come on, you know, they're open to doing it. We we like to talk to politicians. But today more so we're gonna talk about this police officer that we This isn't you know, you've been I don't know, when did you come on the job? Ninety one. Right, you came on ninety one, I came on ninety three. So this is neither of our first rodeo.
1: Yeah. And I think that um we both know how that impacts yes. morale. Yes. Um, how it takes I don't think you ever get over no. the loss of an officer. No. You know, and just when you think the healing process is kicking in, something else happens. We had a twenty-two year run I know, without one.
0: Since Wendell and Tanner.
1: Yes. And then we've had four in the last five years.
0: Right. Horrible. Yeah. And so the the weird part about it is you think about Officer Jerving, and then you go boom, 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 boom. And you just start thinking all the way back to Wendell, right? Mm-hmm. You think all the way back to how many of them happened. And then you start with the, the survivor guilt thing and the fact that it wasn't you. But something I talked about in my opening, I said, you know, you and I will get class two funerals. And it's, you know, people say, what's the one thing you want to avoid? I said, I want to avoid a class one funeral. Don't want that. Don't want that for my family. I want my name to be read on the roll call because, you know, when you pass away as a police officer and you're retired, they put your name. You know, they call the district where you last worked and they put your name on the roll call board throughout the city. And they say, you know, Kenneth Harris passed away, retired 1993. And I want the people in the room to think. My mother wasn't even alive when, when he was on the job, you know, yeah. like they had like nobody alive at the at the police department has any idea who I am. Correct. Correct. That's that's what that's what you look forward to, and it's it's unfortunate when you can, you know, we've we've had some fairly young officers, you know, die in the line of duty. How how does that impact you as a command officer having to be the leadership at a time when everything is so when
1: when you're in that role, and you see that happen to the young kids, it's almost like losing one of your own. You know, um, I watched Chief Norman this morning. Yeah. And I could literally feel his pain. Yeah. You know, he lost one of his young officers. It's like losing. Another. Yeah. Yeah. Like losing one of your own. Yeah. Um, I felt that. Yeah. I really, truly felt it. And I think as a command officer, I mean, even you as a supervisor, when you were there as a lieutenant. Yeah. If one of your officers under your command, this would have happened to it. It right.
0: felt like losing one of your own children. I remember when the lay shift copper got shot six times at District 6, you know, and you and then you hear the name and the grief will literally overcome you because you don't know if they're dead. You don't know if they're alive. And I, and I have to say, I still remember crying for people that I didn't even know. Yeah. But the fact that it hits you that hard. And the other
1: thing, uh, Ken, that I remember when you're in the academy and they come in and they tell you that all of you may not make it right. for your entire career. Right. You really don't think in terms of right, right. that that that's going to be me i you lost know. my one of my classmates yeah. Niehoff was in my class yeah, great yeah. guy killed in a car accident car crash yeah and um never thought that that would happen and you know you grow a bond yeah. with your classmates oh, yeah. that's who
0: you go through your oh, career yeah. with you, you see them years later and you go you recognize them immediately mhm yeah so that that pain
1: just doesn't go away it it really doesn't and um i really feel for the current members of the department, because I know that what they're going through, no one else
0: knows what that feels like right. unless you are a part right. of that fraternity. And there are not a lot of people there that have experienced that. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being in the last academy class and someone is killed? And now you have to go home to your family and explain why you want to wake up tomorrow and do this again.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you, um, I don't even know how many police officers funerals that I've been through, but it's been a lot. <sighs> and I can tell you that I can't think of one time that that happened when I was working, that I didn't get several phone calls from close family members asking me to get out. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's probably going to start happening now. People oh, yeah. are going to start receiving oh, yeah. phone calls about this. And it's oh, yeah. the ultimate sacrifice.
0: Yep. But it's it's something that, Uh, One thing the department has done over the years is bring in family members and have them go through training with the officer that this this is the emotional survival that your your loved one, male or female, is going to have to go through. Absolutely. And at that point, the 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 race doesn't matter. The LGBTQ plus don't matter. The tall, short, all that gender. None of that matters. When you realize that literally every time you put on your uniform and walk out the door, it might be your last time. Yeah. And you know, we've known people that that's happened. To. Absolutely. You know, the um,
1: the three before this one, I can recall just the bonding that happened because it had three in a year's time period, a little over a year's time period. Right. The complete bonding the officers had with each other. Yeah. Um, in fact, on one occasion for sure, there was an outside jurisdiction that came in to take assignments mm-hmm. so the officers yeah. could continue to grieve yeah. and get pat and try and help each other through this situation. I've never seen anything like
0: that it's it's unfortunate because um people think tit for tat right they think. Well, it's this, but well, what about that? You know, the talking text line says, I don't see any condolences when public servants murder taxpaying citizens. Well, how often does that happen? Well, and, and when it, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll let you address it.
1: You know, I hate when that's the storyline. Right. It's a tragic situation whenever someone takes someone else's life, in uniform or out of uniform. It's tragic. But when you have people that are going out there Risking their lives every more every night, it takes on a different uh, perspective. Doesn't mean that uh, an officer killed in the line of duty is more important than someone else killed on the street, but certainly takes on a different meaning because of the fact that this is a person that put on a bulletproof vest, kissed his family goodbye, knowing that there was a possibility that this could happen. Most of us go through our lives that are not in law enforcement. We don't leave home thinking that we may never come back home. We right. don't leave home preparing to be shot by putting on a bulletproof vest. It just takes on a whole new meaning. Yep. And I don't want to distract from if there's police officer misconduct and when that happens, please cut con- please condemn that conduct. Don't condemn everybody and don't condemn the profession. We don't live in a perfect society. Would which is which is why we need the police. Absolutely. So I just I I just think that we need to understand the value of human life, no matter
0: where the life is coming from. Absolutely. And so when we come back, I, I want to talk about how how you perceive the public responding to these types of things when they happen. Because the public, in my estimation, seems a bit indifferent. And so if we're going to change this city, um, we'll we'll switch over in the next segment to, you as public servant, as an alderman, right? So we'll, we'll go into the future a year. Now it's February 2024. And when we come back, I want to hear what it is you believe you will have done in order to make the city better. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. My guest today is retired Milwaukee Police Assistant Chief Ray Banks and candidate for the 5th District Alderman for the City of
2: Milwaukee.
0: You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017. I'm here with Assistant Chief Ray Banks, who is also the 5th District Automatic candidate for the city of Milwaukee. Black-owned business give back is back. We have again teamed up with Associated Bank to help local black businesses grow and succeed together. The home of Milwaukee Black Talk will be giving away $6,000 worth of free commercial advertising for three months to to five black businesses each quarter. Of 2023. Let me say that again. The home of Milwaukee Black Talk will be giving away $6,000 worth of free commercial advertising for three months to five black businesses each quarter. To sign up, which is what I think is an incredible marketing opportunity, visit blackbusinessgiveback.com. That's blackbusinessgiveback.com. Let's rebuild our community's backbone through exposure. On the truth. For official rules, head to blackbusinessgiveback.com, Associated Bank member, FDIC. That actually sounds better than it was before. Like, you got like 30 days last time. This time you get three months. And I still can't sign up for it, can I, Kyle? Can't get it. See, I never get anything around here. I always try to. Yeah. So before the break, we were, we were talking about the community and what, how, how are we going to fix it? So you're, you're, you're a candidate for fifth district automatic district here in the city of Milwaukee. Instead of asking you questions, I'm just going to let you say what your platform is. Well, I'll start by saying that, um, you use the
1: term fix it. And um, it's not synonymous with fighting um, with what we want to do to change. Right. And I'm looking to join the fight in trying to make a change in the city. And the word of the day for me and for my entire campaign, which you'll continue to hear me say, is collaboration. The city has has a uh, habit Of working in silos. And I'm not just talking about uh, government, even private organizations and um, nonprofits. And there's such good work being done here in the city, but we don't know about it. We all got to come together and, and realize and understand what everybody's doing so that we can share the information and we can make a difference. If we continue down the path of where we're not collaborating, we're not talking to each other, Mm -hmm. continue to work in these silos, we're not going to be able to make a difference. This fight is not a spectator sport. It requires everybody to come off the sideline and to get involved. The police cannot solve all of the problems in the community. The community can't solve all the problems without the police, and the police can't do without the community. We also got to look to our local leaders to get involved, to also look to collaborate with what's going on and what's happening in our community. And you asked me what I would hope to have accomplished by 2024. That is to, to have a better understanding of the power, the awesome power that this city has. One of, one of the other shortcomings that I think we have is that we don't invest in our young people enough. Whenever there is a leadership role or an opportunity in this city we tend to do nationwide searches and bring in people that are not from this area. But when our children are going to school, we praise them in grade school, middle school and high school. But the moment they get out of high school, we send them off to college and other places because there's no opportunities here. What I would love to be able to see is that we start to um, invest in the youth for our future, put them in leadership roles, prepare them for leadership roles and have them be able to become part of the decision-making that's happening versus having the older people blame all of the youth for all of the problems that are happening in the community, which is far from being true. So one of my goals is really to make sure that this collaboration starts to happen. where we really recognize all of the things that are that um, we're doing in this community and everybody has some insight of where to go when there are issues and problems that are happening and not relying heavily on the governmental agencies, including the police department to solve all of the problems. And so with that,
0: what type of changes can we see in, in families in education? Because we, we look at common council members as this, Group And it's just the city and that's it. And then we have school board over here and they're separate and they run it. But I, but I think when you talk about collaboration, you're going to have to put those two groups together with the county board, with the sheriff's department, with all these entities to make sure really to build some type of, of safety net, not just so people won't fall through, but give them a foundation so they can actually stand.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not tooting my own horn, so don't. Th- this, this statement is not meant for that. But when we took over, when I was still working, one of the things I thought about to try and um, go at the reckless driving was that let's bring people together. I organized a campaign. To bring together the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department, the Wisconsin State Patrol, which I was a state trooper for two years before I came on to the Milwaukee Police Department. And the Milwaukee Police, the three largest agencies, to go out and work together to try and abate the reckless driving program. Those are the type of collaborations that I mean. When we look at the shortages, the staffing shortages, and all the other challenges that all of these different organizations have, if we pool our resources, we can try and work together to fix it. Prime example is that New Year's Eve, there's a task force of all of the surrounding police departments that come together to abate drunken driving. They tell everybody that, hey, you know, we're going to be out there. You know, you know, the buses are free. Uh, even some of the bar owners get together and they provide free taxi rides. But the, org- but the organization and the collaboration of the uh, local departments that surround Milwaukee County, Coming together to abate that. Why can't that same energy be used to try and abate the reckless driving? Because they're not just driving recklessly in Milwaukee. I can tell you that. Oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, and I think we see it when we go. If you go to Mayfair, you're gonna you're gonna see it and, and bump into that kind of thing. So, I will continue to preach collaboration and the use of not only
0: resources from other organizations but also human capital. And so, when you say human capital. Um... We have a significant loss in the city of Milwaukee in terms of human capital. You know, people, workers, um, you've got Northwestern Mutual moving back from Franklin to, <laughs> I, I, I say the term loosely and playfully, to invade downtown again, right? But what can happen in your district? What what are the needs of your district and what can you do to address them? Well, the, dist- the district that I'm representing, District
1: 5, is such a large district, just under 39,000 people. And it goes from literally north to south, it goes from Good Hope to center. And um, if you think about all of those people and you knowing the city like you do, the needs at the far northern end of the district are going to be completely different than the needs of the southern part of the district. Now tell the, the boundaries of yours. So north to south is Good Hope, basically Good Hope to center. Wow. West to the westerly boundaries. So if you take you stay on Good Hope and go to Hundred Twenty Fourth in Good Hope. And if you go south, it goes as far east as seventy sixth Street. Now, seventy <clears throat> sixth street doesn't kick in until about capital, I mean Hampton, I believe. And then it follows uh, the parkway. So along Appleton Avenue. And then it comes over. Yes. Okay. And then it comes over. So it's a huge district. Wow. You know, so when I look and I drive through the districts and I look at the the challenges that right. are there. The common things that we do have in common in the entire district are, are the reckless driving, the violent crime, and the lack thereof of quality city services. I, the one last thing I don't want to do is I don't want to do any finger pointing because we're not getting something. Correct. That's the last thing I want to do. I know that there are staffing challenges everywhere as well as budgetary issues. The one thing I won't allow people to get away with is the quality of service. Quality of services that we're receiving should not be impacted by the staffing. So if you don't come pick up the garbage for two weeks,
0: when you do come. You shouldn't leave garbage all over the place.
1: That's my (laughs) point. And so we're not even getting that quality. And that would be the thing that I would really like to drive home. Or that pothole that you've been looking at for two months, and when they finally come out, they throw down some tar, Mm -hmm. and two weeks later, the pothole Mm -hmm. is back. Okay, so it's those kind of things
0: that i mean the quality can can should be fixed okay i' I'm, I'm a i'm gonna steer you for another twelve minutes or so and then i'll 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 let i i will release you from from uh, being in custody okay <laughs> because I, I wanna i wanna dive into um talk about the surrounding areas of of your district and and the collaboration that you might do with the other. Common Council members as it relates to where the city's going in relation to neighborhoods. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, from, from my experience with mm-hmm.
1: working in uh, city government, you got to be able to collaborate and right. be a, and be a team member. Right. You know, I've heard uh, some of the promises that some of the candidates are making that are running in some of the uh, automatic districts. Um, I don't believe in making those promises because th- a lot of the promises are not realistic and I know that they're not realistic, and I'm not trying to call anybody out on the carpet. But one of the things that I'm not going to do is make a promise that I know is not realistic or that I can't keep. I can promise to work with the other Aldermen because that's the only way you're going to be able to get anything done. You're only one vote, so right. you got to be able to work as a as a uh, competent team member, and you got to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do.
0: All right, Ray Banks, Assistant Chief, Milwaukee Police Department and Fifth District. Common council. I'm always torn between aldermen because I don't want to sound like, you know, alderman. But then again, that's the actual title from the state of Wisconsin that people still keep calling them older women. And I go, excuse me. Yeah, that's not a title. So who knows? Another 12 minutes. We'll both get ourselves in trouble. Traffic, weather and sports up next. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. We're here with Ray Banks, retired assistant chief, 5th District Automatic Candidate for the City of Milwaukee. So, Talking Text Line says, Will you be able to ask Mr. Banks on what his starts are about the children's prison that is being built on 76 near Good Hope? Does he support it or will he challenge it when he gets in office? Because that's, that's the ninth district. That's That's not the fifth. That's the ninth
1: district. And uh, the decision has already Already been been made, made, you know, so there's, I won't have an opportunity to um, say anything regarding it, but if you're asking if I support it, um, the constituents that I have spoken with, even in the fifth district are against it. And my job is to represent the district. So I would have to be against it based on you know what your constituents, what the, what are the constituents are saying.
0: Right. And so, really, when you think about it, there were there were comments made about how, you know, the the people that would be in it would be closer to home. And I'm thinking to myself, are you making an assumption or prediction that only black kids are going to commit crimes? Now, granted, it's only 33 beds. So for me, I'm wondering, why are we building it in the first place? Because if you're only housing 33 beds and you can average about 100 or 200 kids, what are we doing? Yeah, that's a difficult question, Ken, because I think both of us know,
1: uh, based on <laughs> our law enforcement experience, yeah. that that's not nearly enough to cover for what the need might be. The other thing that I thought is that if you're going to look at uh, the the budget, and the cost associated with this, would it not be cheaper to provide transportation for families to visit at a different location versus building this facility?
0: I don't know because
1: I've never done any real research into it, but that was just one of the things that, that I thought about initially when I heard
0: that the primary reason was to bring them closer to their families. That didn't make any sense to me. And I think personally it's an insult to the black community to assume that all the criminals and juveniles around here are going to always be black
1: or even from the city of Milwaukee, or from the city of Milwaukee. Yeah. Cause
0: I know a lot of white kids that I've arrested on the working on the side. So I started my career at district six. I ended my career at district six and the majority of people we arrested did not look like me and were not Hispanic. And so somewhere. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, even though I'm part of the media, I blame the media for presenting things in an incomplete fashion. Yeah. Not, I, I think the overall issue still remains
1: that the residents and the people that are going to be impacted the most by it are against it. Right. You know, and their voices should be heard, you know, for people that don't live, that don't live around that area that won't be impacted by this, right. that are making these decisions. I don't think that that's right. I think the voices of the folks that are going to be impacted the most by it are the
0: voices that should be heard. And the weird thing about it is it's a state institution. It's on state property. So they put it where they want to put it. But you know they had input from the city. Yes. So it's unconscionable that our city leadership would have allowed that to happen without saying, hey, that's great. Where's the one you're building on the south side? Yeah. On Not on the near south side, but all that open land you have down in District 6 near college that's just sitting there. Let's, let's build some stuff in there. But that goes back to what I was saying, that um,
1: it's real easy to be on the sidelines and say, let's put it here as long as it's not in my backyard. But the people whose backyard that it's being put in are being ignored. Yeah. That's the that's yeah. the that's my biggest issue with this, that the folks who okay. are impacted the most are not being heard or listened to.
0: Well, it's funny because the, the talking text line, somebody said, no, the juvenile facility should be at the top of the, Wisconsin near the UP not to make it easy for your family and friends to come visit you like it's camp. Uh, it, it, it's a little different
1: um, yeah. with juvenile detention centers. It's really focused on rehabilitation, unlike the adult system really is, is for, focused on punishment. Right. So the rehabilitation part of the juvenile uh, detention center focuses on bringing and building families back together. So I get The focus and the purpose of that.
0: The county somebody somebody put in here. I don't know if it's true. Somebody said currently incarcerated, the county is paying four hundred fifty thousand dollars per child per year. Mm -hmm. The number incarcerated is twenty, but I don't know what that means. I don't don't have context, and I don't have four hundred and fifty thousand. That's that sounds. There's no way they're paying four fifty, something like that. But but I it's it's important to understand that these are children. Yeah, they're 15. That's a whole other show about how you and how the media, um, I'm I'm trying to think of the right word I want to use, Um, adulting children, making them seem to be, calling children men at age 15, 16 years old, calling girls women, treating them like, Adults, calling the police on them, things like that. Uh, there was a recent story about a nine-year-old who was catching lightning bugs that were, that were the kind that were destroying stuff. And so she thought she'd catch them. So she was literally, she yeah. created, loves chemistry, created her own bug-killing spray and was testing it. Somebody called the police on her.
1: Yeah, I saw that. Um, one of the things, though, Ken, that um, is happening is that we're seeing young people, committing more violent crimes than we've ever seen in the history of this department, history of this city. I'm sorry. And I think that there has to be a focus on that. Yeah. You know, you figured we had a 10 year old that killed his mother. We have 13 year olds that are, that are shooting and being part of carjackings, shootings,
0: uh, running, running people over when you steal cars. and Yeah. So, on.
1: so yeah. they're committing adult like crimes at some point, and I'm the last person, I'm not the let's lock them up, throw away the key kind of guy, but I do believe that adequate punishment has to take place. Correct. And adequate punishment and adequate deterrence are two goals that I would look at, you know, as it relates to my automatic race with mm-hmm. trying to ensure that those kind of things are happening. I don't see that occurring and I, we see the same revolving door. Right. The recidivism rate continues to climb. And we got to do something before our young people pull that trigger and before they peel up that column in that stolen car. Because once that happens, it's too
0: late. It's too late. Wow. So I want to thank you for coming. Before I let you go, I have a call. 833 212 1017 is the number. We're only going to take one call. You can hit us on the talking text line. Sam from Milwaukee, you're on the new 1017 The Truth.
2: Good evening gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Ray Banks. Welcome. And I know Ray Banks a little bit, know of him. He's a he's a great officer and a great human being, but i am I'm, I'm going to tell you guys something about Ray Banks that you don't know. Uh, Ray, you ready for this? You sitting down? I
1: am. I hope it's going to be a good one. Okay.
2: Okay, okay. He was a heck of a power football coach. Hey Ray, I got I used to coach in the Pal Athletic League for years. And uh, yeah, you were one of the coaches with Carter, and you guys, and uh, some other folks uh, started out with us, and we finished up. But man, he could coach. He had a great team. Although one year championship year, he had to team up with another coach just to beat me. And <laughs> oh, he had to the other coach some inside ha- stuff on me. But I know exactly okay. who you are. Yes, you had those <laughs> trick
1: plays all the <laughs> time.
2: <laughs> right so uh man it's a joy it's a pleasure uh i enjoy seeing your progress and and i'm um, happy for you and uh and enjoy that i wish we had those leagues you can talk more about some of those things in your addition whatnot but some of those things was was helping kids as well and and it was great to see parents come out and support those kids and things like that too but he
1: was a great coach y'all so <laughs> all right
0: thank you coach. appreciate it <laughs> Okay. Um, All right. Bye-bye. Assistant Chief Ray Banks, Milwaukee Police Department, 5th District Aldermanic candidate. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the wisdom and the experience. And um, I'm just glad I'm your elder. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Thank
1: you for having me. I yeah, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah,
0: this, this is great. We'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Um, And I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Police Week in May. We'll have a group of cops come in and Chop it up and talk and I'm in. see what's going on. All right. I'm in. All right. I appreciate it. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. We'll be right back.